Welcome to the Mind for Life podcast. The Mind for Life podcast. Where your thinking can change your life. And now, here's your host, Jeff Bogazic. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mind for Life podcast. My name is Jeff Bogazic, and I will be your host here, where our topics always address how you can live better by thinking better. Your thought life is the biggest factor for your life experience, both to the positive and to the negative. So thank you so much for joining us today. And today we're going to talk about digital technologies and their effects upon our brains and ultimately our daily lives. I'm really excited about it because our technologies, while giving us amazing abilities, are also taking some things away from us that we need to recognize and consider. So we're going to get into that in just a moment, but before we do, I want to let you know about a free resource that we have available for you on our blog, mindforlife.org. That's mindforlife.org. It's a free course on how to listen better. Did you ever have someone tell you that you don't listen to them when they're talking to you? It's a common challenge in relationships and in marriages, and maybe you find that your relationship is in a little bit of trouble or may even be falling apart because either you need to listen better or your partner needs to listen better. In either case, I have a resource for you that can help. When we talk about communication, we typically think that our ability to talk is the most important aspect The reality is that the most important part of our communication is our ability to listen, to be able to attend to someone, to listen to them and value what they say. That attributes worth to the other person. They feel important. They feel special. They feel valued. It helps in your relationships. And this is the most important part of our communication And our free resource on listening and attending can help you improve in this area. It can help improve your relationships at home and even in the workplace. So to get started, head on over to mindforlife.org. Click on the link right at the top of the page. Sign up and we will email that to you. And also today, before we get started, I want to mention our sponsor for this podcast. It is Bluehost. Bluehost is a web hosting service, and after having personally tried out some other web hosting services, I found that Bluehost has been the best. They've been really great for me. They've got great technical support and a great user interface. It's very easy to use. Uh, The Mind for Life podcast and Mind for Life blog is hosted by Bluehost, and if you're interested in starting a website, a blog, or a podcast yourself, Bluehost can meet all of your needs at a great price. So check them out. You can visit our website, mindforlife.org, and click on the link right at the top of the page. Now, on to the topic for today, the seductions of technology. I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're either listening on your computer or through a smartphone or digital device. 
the digital technologies that we have at our disposal today are incredible. They give us our media, our music, our entertainment, and information at our fingertips. Literally anything you want to know on the planet is in the palm of your hands as long as you have data service. Think about it. Prior to the computer, if you wanted to know something, you had to go to a library. You had to do the research and find it out. And now it's right in your smartphone. You want to find out the science behind neuroplasticity and how our brains are moldable, even in adults, by our thoughts and actions. You can look it up right now and find out in less than 30 seconds. Our digital technologies are so enticing and helpful and entertaining that we often forget to look at them critically. We forget to ask the question, how might these technologies be detrimental to us? How might they be hurting us? In the euphoria of new iPhone releases, and maybe you've seen the lines around the corner on the news broadcasts, we don't often see that the negative effects of these technologies are often hidden in the shadows. They are outside the periphery of our conscious awareness because we are too focused on the benefits. And this is normal. We get distracted by the new gadgets. And really, we might consider this question. Is that the purpose for which they were created? Now, I'm not saying that technologies are created to distract us from themselves intentionally. In some cases, of course, our technologies are created for distraction. Entertainment, games, books, music, media are all distractions from the everyday business of life. But in distracting us from other areas of our life, their newness, their coolness, and the benefits they provide also distract us from considering their negative aspects. Neil Postman was a famous critic of technology and media, and he once said that all technologies come with a Faustian bargain. Technology giveth and technology taketh away. We know that technologies give to us, but we must ask the other question, what is technology taking away from us? What is, to me, really interesting and amazing about this is that though we often forget and are distracted from the negative consequences of technological development, the ancient philosopher Plato, over 2,300 years ago, recognized this very thing. In his dialogue, The Phaedrus, he relates a story about Thamus, a king of a great city in Egypt, and Thuth, an inventor god. In this narrative, Thuth, the god, comes before King Thamus to present his inventions to him. And as each invention is presented, Thamus, the king, inquires of the invention and then expresses his approval or disapproval of it. 
And when Thuth comes and presents the invention of writing, the technology of writing, he defends it to the king by reciting all of the virtues that writing will bring to the people, that writing will improve their wisdom, that writing will improve their memory. Great benefits, of course. King Thamus, however, responds to Thuth by telling him that what he intends the invention to do is really the exact opposite of what actually will happen. Thamus states that writing will not improve memory, but will in fact destroy it by providing an easy means of recollection. The easy way of recalling information will actually contribute to a loss of memory. For writing allows the user to gain information easily by external reference without actually exercising the internal resources of their memory. And as for that wisdom, famous states this, and I'm quoting, your pupils will have the reputation for it without the reality. They will receive a quantity of information without proper instruction and in consequence be thought very knowledgeable when they are, for the most part, quite ignorant. And because they are filled with the conceit of wisdom instead of real wisdom, they will be a burden to society. This parable reflects a critique of the technology of writing. And the critique, while correct in some ways, misses the mark in others. The negative effects that writing has had on memory and the false or pseudo-wisdom that comes with it are easily demonstrated. But we all know that writing has had also some extremely positive aspects. The obvious one being the recording of human histories as knowledge for later generations. While recognizing the negative effects of technology, Thamus's mistake was in assuming that the invention would only have a negative effect. And Neil Postman warned against being what he called one-eyed prophets when it comes to technology. Technophiles are one-eyed prophets who see only what new technologies can do and cannot imagine what technologies will undo. Technophobes, on the other hand, are one-eyed prophets who can only see the burdens of technologies and are incapable of seeing the opportunities that new technologies make possible. Neil Postman said this, New technologies alter the structure of our interests, the things we think about. They alter the character of our symbols, the things we think with, and they alter the nature of our community the arena in which our thoughts develop. Technologies change us. They rewire the structure of our brain and our thinking. But not only mentally, they change us physically as well. Maybe you've heard of text neck. It's a physical condition where people's necks are starting to reform based on constantly bowing down to look at their cell phone, 
Computers, of course, have adjusted people's posture, and we have carpal tunnel syndrome from constant typing. Texting and driving is a major major hazard on our streets. And here's something to do when the next time you're out driving, I challenge you, when you're on the road, to look over at other people who are driving next to you and just simply count how many other drivers are actually on their phones while driving. It's an eye-opener. There's also something called phantom vibration syndrome, where people think or actually feel a vibrating from their phone when it actually isn't going off. These things are all common in our new digital era and were unheard of just a few decades ago. So here's something to think about regarding technologies. Once it is admitted into our culture. A technology always plays out its hand. It does what it was designed to do. Now, what a technology was designed to do is not necessarily what it is intended to do. And our task is to try and understand the design So that when we allow a technology into culture, we do so with our eyes wide open. And we can see the designs of technologies by their effects upon the culture. So think about this. What was Facebook designed to do? We often think that Facebook was created to connect us socially, to create greater interpersonal relationships. But that obviously is not what's happening. We don't get more intimate relationships through Facebook. We may be more acquainted with someone or more familiar with what's going on in their life. But intimacy comes through dialogue. Intimacy comes through interpersonal presence. Intimacy comes through face-to-face communication. And Facebook gives the appearance of relational intimacy, while at the same time, what it's really doing is selling your information to advertisers for their own profits. See, Facebook was designed to exploit people for profit to take your stuff, your content, your likes, your photos, your shares, to keep track of that information, and then to sell it to advertisers who in turn target you to sell you products and to get you to buy their stuff with your money. We think that Facebook is the product that we are using to connect with people. And we give our information to them freely when the reality is we are the product that Facebook is using to sell us to companies. And Google does the same thing. They track the information that comes through our searches, that comes through our emails, if you have a Gmail account. And I find it ironic that Google's motto used to be Don't be evil. (laughs) That's kind of funny, right? Don't be evil. Well, they recently dropped that as their company motto, 
when they change their parent company to Alphabet. I personally think it's inherently evil to sell people out, to take them and exploit them and sell them to advertisers. The funny thing is that we not only allow it, we freely participate in it. And we do it willingly without any concern. And this is another thing about any technology. With any technology, there are always winners and there are always losers. So when the computer came, the typewriter went the way of the dinosaur. When the digital camera came, Kodak lost out. There was no more film. There's always winners and losers with any new technology. And guess what? It is the job of the winners to convince the losers that they are really the winners. So Facebook does this by convincing us that we're winning right? That we're actually somewhat famous because we have a bunch of people that uh, that are our friends or that look at our posts or that like our photos, right? That we're really winning. We're, we're, we're someone special. Well, last time I checked, and maybe you know something different than I do, most of the people using Facebook weren't billionaires like the top people at Facebook. They are the real winners in this whole deal, And it's their job to try to convince us that we are actually winning. So the next time you're on Facebook, ask yourself the question, who's really winning here? What kind of information are you giving them about yourself that they are in turn taking and selling to their advertisers? You're giving that to them absolutely freely. That's something we're going to talk about more in the upcoming week. So I want to encourage you to stay tuned. Thanks for listening. This has been the Mindful Life podcast. As always, the transcript for this episode is available on our website, mindforlife.org. When you're online, please stop by and give us a visit. We have some other resources on the website. I do write a blog and uh, recently wrote a post on how positive thinking can make you happier. And I go into a little bit about the science behind positive thinking. So you can check that out at mindforlife.org. There are also book recommendations recommendations, as well as the transcripts and links to all of our other podcasts and other blog posts. And don't forget about the free communication listening skills course that is available to you as well. Help us out if you would. Recommend our podcast and blog to your friends. If you enjoyed what you were listening to today, share it on social media. The links are right on the website under the player. If you're listening through iTunes, give us a good review. Tell us what you think. You can also sign up for updates on our email list on the website, mindforlife.org. So thanks again for listening. Let me leave you with a final thought for the week. Who is really winning with the technologies you are using? Don't be a one-eyed prophet on either side. Appreciate the benefits of any technology but also be wary about the potential consequences as well. Have a great week.